Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, James Chessel is on the mics today, the nearly new Managing Director of Nine's publishing business, including mastheads like the City Morning Herald, The Age and the Australian Financial Review. James is a former Walkley Award-winning journalist. He may still think like one, we'll get to that shortly, but has been charged under a reasonably new senior exec team and CEO at Nine to run some of the oldest and most premium media brands in the country. As a journalist and editor, James has always been a troublemaker, and he might have been in a few interesting skirmishes of late with James Packer. We'll see if he'll talk about that a bit later. But as the publishing boss at Nine, what's he thinking about on the future of Mastheads, News, Media Trust? That seems to be declining based on some consumer research studies. And what's he planning on for revenue diversification beyond the ad market? How much headroom is left in subscriptions, for instance, and how is he managing for editorial talent? I can't find much out there, despite huge numbers of journalism grads. But James is far smarter than I. I'm sure he'll have some sage views on all that and perhaps the impatience of new blood to do the hard yards. I know that sounds very old school. There's a lot to cover, and I should say I used to work with James on the business desk at the City Morning Herald a long time ago. So if he's dismissive and disrespectful, don't be alarmed. James has seen my copy. It's entirely justified. But welcome, James Chessel. I knew you were talented But becoming the boss of Nine Publishing is a fair stretch. How has the transition gone between church and state? And welcome, been been a while. It's great to be here. Thank you for such a um, uncharacteristically friendly introduction. (laughs) That's where it stops. Exactly. Um, It's been a um, it's been an interesting transition. I've effectively worked in newsrooms for most of my career over the over the past twenty years, and you know, purely in the editorial space. And this is the first job where I am not either writing stories, editing stories or in the or in the daily news conference. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't miss part of that. I but bet. it's also been really interesting and uh personally fulfilling to step up and run you know, the the, the broader the broader business and, and um it, it's been challenging. Um but it's also been a a, a great opportunity to to get into parts of, of the media business that I haven't had exposure to before. I've always been interested in media. I was a media writer at, at one point. Um, so it's a bit of a dream come true. Yeah. Well, you stirred trouble then, though. So is it going to come back and bite you uh, on the proverbial that you some of that media coverage that you used to do? Now you're in the media hot seat. Oh, look, I haven't seen any. Well, we do. We've had James Packer. We'll get to that in a second. But, look, I want to ask you, the, the, the biggest eye-opener, you were executive editor at the City Morning Herald prior to. So that's sort of kind of like a publisher role. There's a bit of a commercial involvement in that, but it's hardcore. Now you're hardcore. In the, in the, what's the biggest eye-opener for you on the commercial side? Because, you know, we talk a long time. A long time ago, we used to talk about church and state, and there was a – at Fairfax, before it became nine, the the, the editorial uh, culture was very much, let's just keep those um, commercial people at bay. N- now you're on the other side. So w- what's what, what have you, what's the big eye-opener there? Well, I just want to correct uh, correct you a tiny bit. The executive editor role of the Herald and the Age is there's no almost no commercial um, elements oh, take to, back, to right it. Uh, apart from the fact that they will occasionally say we don't 
we don't think this uh, advertisement is is the right fit for us. Okay. Um, so they're pure editorial roles. Um, okay. I mean, the church and state. One of the I, I, the question I get asked most is what what what's it like working for Nine as opposed to um, Fairfax, which is now quite a long time ago. The merger was in two thousand and eighteen, and you know the the honest and good answer is that it's not particularly different. The Charter of Editorial Independence um, still is in effect. Um, uh, very rarely evoked, but you know it's something there, and it's an incredibly important part of the. Um, of the newsroom's DNA. Um, at the same time, you know, you in in this new role, as I said, I'm not in the um, the cut and thrust of the news conference anymore. So you are focused more on that on that commercial side, and, and the the mastheads have been through a, an amazing transformation over the past six or seven or eight years. Um, and I'm really, really proud of the of the the strong position they're now they're now in, and a lot of the credit. You know, goes to people that have come before me as well. I should say, but you know, that's my job now, ensuring that that next leg of growth or that next phase of growth, we can we can pull that off because we're we haven't just stabilised. We're we're growing and we're you know probably one of the most you know well positioned media businesses in the country. Even before you get to the fact that it's part of an incredibly strong overall nine group, um, which has definitely helped. But, you know, we can't take it for granted. We need to keep moving and we need to find new areas to grow. Well, I mean, and we'll get to that, the next leg of growth, you, you, you phase of growth, you talk about that. I guess the, the really interesting thing, though, is that, you know, one, um, how do you go when, you know, you're on, on a purely commercial, holding yourself back from um, intervening or having a say in the editorial where you talk about that charter of independence? Um, you have to live and breathe it from the other side now, as opposed to the other. How, how do you manage yourself on that? I've I've found it quite easy. I think it's better having a managing director of publishing that understands the charter and yeah. um um is happy to go into bat for the mastheads. I think it's more problematic. You know, perhaps that's occasionally been the case in the in the distant history where you have people in these roles who perhaps don't have an affinity with the newsrooms don't have an affinity with how journalism works, but, um, you know, that's where I grew up. So mm. I, I've, I've have no problems with that. I mean, I'd, I'd say two, two really important points. I don't want to give anyone the impression that there's a constant battle between editorial and commercial. Um, the discussions we have where there's, you know, a tiny amount of disagreement probably come up about once a month and, and right. they're, they're about pretty technical issues. The second thing is, you know, the economic value of the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, the Brisbane Times, WA Today and the AFR, you know, rests in the fact that they are fiercely independent, um, quality, high quality uh, newsrooms that focus on public interest journalism, holding the powerful to account. That That's why people want to subscribe mm. to those publications. And I think to a certain degree, and we'll get on to trust in a minute, that's why people are happy to put out ads in them because they know it's a trusted environment. Mm. Um, you know, you'd have to be crazy to put that at risk because it would, as I said, undermine the economic value of those mastheads. Mm. It, it, it rests in their independence. It rests in their fearlessness. It, it rests in their constructive scepticism about the world and and their 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 desire to sort of shine light into dark places. And, you know, I, I think when you look at how we approach legal risk um, and the amount of investment we put in invest investigations, um, 
you know, with the possible exception of the ABC, there's no, there's no other, there's no other media institution in the country that comes close to us. Well, what is your budget when you talk about investment? What is the range, James, that you put into that, into that in investigative side of things? You know, you've got, you've got some great investigative reporters, and and they were on stage, they were on stage the other the other week at the Nine Up Fronts, but Nick was McKinsey. But what what is what is your what is your you know how do you carve that out? Can you give us a figure? No. No. Um, so can I try it another way? Um, is it growing? It is growing. It's growing in the sense that we're putting more money into it. Um, and, and I don't say 10%, this. 10%, 15 I, I don't five. say this. Well, I, I honestly don't know off the top okay. of my head, but we, you know, we look at what people, the reasons people provide to us for, for subscribing, for, for signing up. And that public interest journalism is, is a key is mm. a key part of that. And we also think that it's a real point of difference to us. I think a lot of the media companies out there, the Guardian would be a classic example, they're too scared to do this stuff where there's risk where there's risk involved and, you know, they, they tend to follow us. And so we back those journos. They don't come cheap, nor should they. They're really valuable people. The work they do can take a long time. I know you know this, but there's a, there's a long lead time. Mm. You know, so it's it's not, you you sort of, sugar hit return on investment on it isn't isn't it's a long-term payoff yes. um uh but it's well worth it and i think you know there's that that halo effect and it's also and then and it's, so it's growing in the in the in the way we're backing it but it's also growing in the sense that um one of the good things about nine you know when i started i remember sitting down with hugh marks and he sort of said you know, it seems to be going pretty well um, at publishing. I was the executive editor there. You know, you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry, we're not gonna um, we're not gonna march in and start telling you what to do. Um, but you know, if you want to, if you have ideas and if you want to collaborate, you know, we're we're really keen to talk. Um, and that was that was literally on day one. And I think he was it was a there was and a it held of, true. There was yeah, a lot of held. nervousness in the air and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, it it really did hold true. And one of the great things has been. I will get back to my point that they've let us, um, you know, all the collaborations that you see, like Nick McKenzie on 60 Minutes, Adele Fergus on, on 60 Minutes, we're doing another documentary with Stan. They've all bubbled up organically. Right. There haven't been someone sitting in a room saying, you must do this or you must do that. We, we need a, we need a, a co-production on 60. Right. It, you know, Nick, Nick, to use him as an example, has been a, has, or he's a star, but he's been a star in sort of, realizing that his stories will have more impact if they're told on different platforms. Broader reach, more channels, yeah. And one of the interesting things for Nick, just as an aside, is when he was doing Four Corners previously, um, you know, he, he, he says to me now, I was, you know, it was the same audience as The Age and The Herald. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, correlation between the between the nine mastheads and the, uh, and the ABC in that sense. Now that he's on sixty. Mm. He's getting a broader a broader audience for his stories because there's probably you know there would be definitely a crossover between our our um, masthead audience. Not quite and as 60, pure as the ABC though, right, James? I wouldn't use the word pure. Um, <laughs> it's just different. Yeah. It's different, and you know you want to get to as many as many people as you possibly can. So why tell the same people twice? Why not spread what 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 have been some amazing investigations? Yeah. Across uh, across a broader bunch of people. So just on that, so it's aligned differently because you you're right. You were doing a lot of co-productions of the ABC Four Corners. That's just all gone now because of the Nine Alliance, and it's sixty now. Is it? Did you do it? Will you do any more? I think it's harder now. I think mm. I think they will happen from time to time. But as I said, it's there's been no edict. Mm. It's it's been something that's just happened naturally, and that's that was the the great thing. Hugh was true to his word. Um, 
they didn't overdo it. And as a result, people really enjoyed, you know, there's a lot of, as you know, you've worked in, you've worked in the written word. There's a lot of frustrated TV journos in that yes. world, just like there are a few frustrated um, print journos in the, in the TV world. And so, we know, we've had Chris Yorman writing for us yes, right. uh, for a long period of time. That was one of the best things that ever happened. I've been, I've been trying to get him. Right. And uh, I think the day after the merger, it, called i texted him and said you 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 can't say no now well and he hasn't it's not like he has not unleashed has he <laughs> he's been he's been terrific i'm devastated that he's uh that he's he's retired and i i hope i hope that he gets very bored on his um on in Second his retirement yes. and <laughs> and um because there's a he's, he's always welcome to come back and I, i'm sure he will at some point he tells me he won't but i i'm i'm holding out hope that he will your your powers may be uh, still hypnotic james chessel um just um before we get into some uh, war stories from the trenches because you you've got a few I, i'm i'm intrigued by the fact that you know uh you used to you used to sort of um look at me somewhat dismissively as a uh, media and marketing advertising journo now you've got to deal with advertising people james chessel how's that going how are you getting your head around ads and, and all the stuff that goes on underneath that, how, how deep do you need to or want to go in terms of the advertising science, if you like to call it, um, programmatic, you know, what works, what's, effic- uh, what, what's effective and how you work in the broader, you know, how, how um, Nine Publishing, you know, attracts more of that, uh, of the ad dollars, if you like, um, and we'll get to, you know, diversification, but how's that going? How's the ad, how's the ad conversation going? Well, I, I don't accept the, uh, the premise of your, of your question that I was dismissive about it. I, I think I was probably just more focused on the, on the sexier end of the, uh, of the street in, which was the, sort in, of the corporate, financial markets, yeah, and, which yes. is the, you know, the deals and the corporate media side, but, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And obviously I've gone from a role where, um, almost entirely unfocused on on the commercial side to one where it, where it takes up a bit of my time um i should say that you know the the sales commercial part of nine is run by michael stevenson yes. and um in my world it's run by um uh, a woman called joe clasby who's uh who's incredibly good at her job so Everything I say from this point will be taking credit for what Joe has done. And um, apologies, Joe. Well, she was in TV too. On the commercial side, she's gone from TV to to, to text and print as well. Yes, I think that's right. She was at ACP for a while. Mm. Um, she knows absolutely everyone. Um, and so it's been great having someone with that, um, not just the sort of the skill and the, and the expertise, but also that that kind of deep history. Mm. And, and the commercial publishing relationship doesn't work if people don't have an affinity for the for the products on and 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 you know people like me don't have an affinity for the jobs that the salespeople have to do yeah i think uh one of the sort of success stories of publishing the, not just the recovery but the renaissance of of nine publishing over recent years has been the performance of of on the commercial side it doesn't get the credit that it deserves they've they and you know you might think that i would say this but it's the truth they've been knocking it out of the park um, and as we speak, they're knocking it out of the park. Even in today's, like we've got a bit of a crimp in the economy, that it's okay. Yeah, it's it's good. Mm. I think everyone would accept that the the market these the market these days is probably shorter than they would like. And yeah. and there is of course uncertainty on the horizon in the in the current environment. When you look at global factors and you look at the you know the interest rate environment in Australia, but if you look at the contribution, you know, it's all on the public record. It's in the results of. Of the commercial side of the business, they've done they've done a really really good job, and and a few of the factors there are giving the mastheads a bit more love and a 
attention than they were they were they were previously getting introducing them to a to a wider range of clients the previous management of fairfax deserve a massive pat on the back for getting this um recovery process underway and you know they they laid the foundation for for what has been this great success story with publishing but if there was one thing that you'd quibble quibble with it was probably some of the statements about the future of print right. made in about 2017 2016 you probably you probably remember um Fairfax was a bit pessimistic about it that was Mr Highwood yes who as i said has has done a overall a, a sensation it was a big reform job wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and i'm saying this all the time it probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for that but you know i i think we were he was a little premature on print news corp seized on that and um you know i think it's a very long-winded way of saying what the team under Joe is is doing now is sort of not just not just winning back its um you know its rightful share, but but growing as as well on that side of things. So when you've got the digital side, you've got the print side. You know we we launched we launched a you know not many people are launching new mags these days. We launched a new fin um you know lifestyle and luxury product i think we're up to we're up to 3 uh, edition 3 getting getting ready for edition 3 now um and that's been a great success so we're growing we're growing in areas where we think there's room to grow and so i've really enjoyed getting involved to the extent that i do i'm really proud of the relationship that we have with our 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 colleagues in commercial i think it's really really strong at the moment the results the results show it i mean it's a tough market it's, that's the i mean you you said what what sort of surprised you it's so competitive it, it you know i thought journalism was competitive and it really is but so i mean i just pointing out the bleeding obvious i know all your listeners already know this but it, the sales is 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 brutal, right? Yes, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. and they um, they fight over everything. It's it's very impressive. It's a knife fight in a phone box, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. what it is. I'm absolutely busting to get into some war stories. Um, the 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 let's go there first. On you know, as a business journalist uh, before uh, becoming, you were a Euro- European correspondent too for Fairfax at the time. For the AFR, yeah. AFR, uh, that too. And usually, journalists have cracking sort of tales and anecdotes. Um, if you won't update us on on your recent rounds in the in the boxing ring with James Packer, and that was fascinating, which we'll, we should touch on a little bit. Um, what's one of your favourite sort of uh, anecdotes from your reporting travails and and, and and your time, James? There's we like names. I'm not like you, but if you don't have any names, we'll 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 go for mm. uh, we'll go for some candour. But first, let's, let me try you on James Packer. <laughs> How like you know what happened? I need to be a little bit careful about this. I I sort of. Put out a note to staff at the time uh, that that story, if you want to call it that, was published in the Australian, explaining that um, you shouldn't believe everything the media writers write in the Australian, and also that you know James has documented issues, and so you know it's something it's somewhere we should tread carefully. I'm not sure why he's not a fan of ours. He he repeatedly says it has nothing to do with our um, groundbreaking investigations into uh, governance shortcomings at casinos. casinos. So Mm. I'm at a loss to think what it could be. Um, And, you know, I guess what I can say is that the uh, blizzard of correspondence that I was receiving dropped off after after that story was published. So if it it served a purpose, perhaps that's that's what it was. uh, also had a lot of people getting in touch with me and um, 
that I hadn't heard from in a while when that was published and saying yes, hi. Right. So, yes, right. so that was quite nice. Yeah. Uh, my mum rang me up. <laughs> yes, well, she she disowned you before that. Uh, yeah, no, it brought us brought us closer together. So, <laughs> um, you uh, not so much in the current role, but certainly in previous roles. If you're not getting, uh, if you're not getting shouted at by powerful people on a semi regular basis, you're probably not doing your job properly. Right at the start, you said you know the, the investigative stuff that that um, Nine Publishing does shines a light. Uh, on on parts of on parts of uh, the world that um, many um, want to see, but and, and everyone wants to see it if it's not about them. I think that's probably the um, the issue there. So and, and and again, even in your in your reporting days, um, you know the cut and thrust of of uh, at the top end of town and business. Um, you it's a fine line, isn't it, between keeping people keeping access and having people talk to you but at the same time not compromising um and you you yeah. you did that quite deftly uh, for a long time and um you, you know what are the big lessons there or just a you know uh, some some key learnings coming up um of your experience with that managing that tension which which applies quite well to you now in commercial terms too i guess yeah i mean i think it's a the great balancing act for journos you you can't write for your contacts um but you can't write if you don't have any contacts mm. um uh, so one of the one of the things you have to be prepared to do is have some tough conversations with people that ordinarily you get along pretty well with, and know that they will probably respect you if you write end up writing the truth, and they probably won't respect you if you end up going soft on them. I think it's I think it's really dangerous when people when people get captured, but at the same time, I think it's really dangerous when you get journalists who are like, oh, I'm not going to deal with anyone unless it's via email. Um, so I'm, I, you know, I can't be tainted and, you know, it's pretty hard to get genuine insight and genuine stories if you're not having direct conversations with people. And, you know, so I'm a traditionist and that I think you need to go out with lunch, to lunch with people. You need to get to know them for all their faults. I'm always saying to people, you know, you're not there to be their friends. It doesn't really matter if you like them or not. You're there to uh, you're there for an exchange of ideas and an exchange of information. Mm, and it's a great it's a great point. I don't um, it, you know we might get to it a bit later on the talent crunch if we uh, if we run it, if we don't run out of time. But um, it, it's it's a great point, but um, very hard to do sometimes, right? And and mm. and getting getting out and about. I mean, that's a lament of mine. There's a lot of journos that don't actually eyeball people and and build those networks. But that's a that's a completely different story. Why don't we um uh, you know, you mentioned before um, uh, News Corp and, and 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 the pack of stuff, but you've worked both sides. You've worked at News Corp, you've worked at Nine, oh, and Fairfax. Um, what's the difference, James, between the two? And you were at the Oz. You're, a, I think, you're a media writer at the Oz, weren't you? The editor. I was, no, I was a media writer. What's the difference? Because there's great rivalry there, right? And you know, and I'm, it's, it's stating the obvious. Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting, and there's there's nuance to it. Like you know, Michael Stutchbury. Uh, of all the editors I've worked for, I've learnt I learnt the most from Starch at the AFR. Um, you know, and you could describe him as a as a News Corp editor, even though he worked at Nine slash what Fairfax previously, because mm, of the, the Australian's editor. But, but right? he yeah. had spent a lot of time at, at the Oz, and I think I think if I'm right, you know, spent spent most of his career at, at at News Corp. I think News Corp has its issues and its problems but you know on a newsroom basis i think there was always a good focus on sharpness in the way stories are written um and edited um i learned a lot there about like getting getting the news in the lead um i think i think people can sometimes be a little bit 
little bit uh, flabby in their writing and that, you know, mm. sharpness was a word you, you heard there a lot. They, mm. they, they, were, they were very, very keen on, on breaking news, um, which I think is an underrated uh, sort of quality for a, for a newsroom and there's real value uh, to being, being um, to breaking big stories and being, being first on, on meaningful, meaningful yarns. And there was sort of a, you know, I think a, a an awareness of awareness of kind of how how stories fitted into sort of broader policy narratives um, and and debates as well. More corporate intervention, though, would you say? Yeah. So that that can my last point can go can go both ways. Like I think you need to be aware of of you know this is a really good running issue. So we want to we want to do something on this on a pretty regular basis and be a bigger part of the conversation. Uh, but we don't want to manipulate it for our own ends. Um, I think the corporate intervention stuff is, yeah, it is. It it, it was probably more pronounced there. Um, but you know, you you were if you wanted to, if you wanted to, like I, I remember breaking a story about Ostar and Foxtel uh, in merger talks when I worked at the Oz. No one at News wanted that to be published. It was deeply inconvenient, and mm. several uh, executives made made that point quite directly to me when I was ringing him up um but then I rang but someone got up. I rang up someone else really senior and he's like he's like yeah yeah it's a good yarn just go with it mm. um everyone's going to get everyone's going to get upset so i mean but that i don't think that's unusual in that sense at any no. other at any other company i, I mean they they're very uh, focused on on media. They're very interested in media. Um, I think that Monday media section that they do, um, whether you think the quality is still there or not, I think that was Lachlan's It was, yeah, baby. 98, 99, um, right, when they launched yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. So it's... It's something they it's something they take seriously as well. What was really interesting a couple of weeks ago at the nine upfronts, and you know I've covered that stuff for I don't know thousands of years. This year, uh, the, 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 a couple of weeks ago, was the first time actually you saw publishing um, get a decent run uh, on stage at at probably the expense of linear television, ironically, which is you know nine's TV business. So this there does seem to be like there's more this this change and more kind of I guess what everyone talks about collaboration or unification of the of the divisions is that true? Are you are, is there something different happening at nine now than it was even one two years ago with 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 the with the mastheads and publishing in the in the fold? Yeah, I think I think broadly speaking that's true. I think Mike Sneesby, the CEO, has been really really good on getting all the parts of the business and not just publishing, but radio, Stan, to use some other examples, to have a voice. We did this big purpose and values thing a, a, a few weeks before up front. Yes, it was a big statement that came out on your yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, which is the culmination of a, a lot of work and something that was really important for the for the CEO. And, you know, it was really great. Like a, all, there were a lot of publishing people in the room and they were coming up to me afterwards and saying it's really good. You know, they have one of the, one of our people, Osman, was, was, a, was, a, was emceeing at the day, whereas I think maybe, you know, in years gone by, maybe it would have just been TV people. Mm, so, mm. you know, radio got a really good, really good run, um, with Tommy Malone and, um, uh, and some of his people. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the, a lot of my team were saying, isn't it good to be, you know, part of, part of nine. There was never any, there's no, no sort of friction or anything, mm. but it's just been a gradual process. And I think the upfronts were a really great example of integrating, not just the news teams across nine, but the different 
platforms across nine. Mm. Um, and it was a really seamless and, and professional job, which reflects, which reflects the business where, you know, publishing's more than 20% of the 20% of the earnings. It's a big, it's a big chunk. Um, and it's a, the strength of nine is all its different pieces. You know, that's the other, that's the, been the other good thing about the, the merger. You know, we're part of a bigger business and there's sort of a bit of cover and safety that comes with that. It is. And it's, we're going to, we're, I know we're going to run out of time, which is incredibly frustrating, but you know, it's, it's sort of grandly ironic, isn't it? That both publishing and television were both considered to be dead horses up until five, six, seven years ago. The end of was coming. The end of was nigh for TV. End of end was nigh for for news or at least, uh, you know, uh, print and news media and, and the opposite has happened. And so it sometimes shows that, um, you know, predictions are way off. So listen, um, on this, you know, all media have seen a huge surge through COVID in terms of audiences and numbers and, and, and news media was probably one of the big beneficiaries of that uh, in that this flight to trust, if we call it that, where through COVID people were going. Um, and I've heard it so many times, even, even, even the 20-somethings, the younger set who might have historically got their their insights and feeds from social and whatever else um, came back came flocking back to news now um, news media and and you saw that in your audiences I think you know massive jumps right 20 30 percent increases in audiences and so forth what's happened now uh, is it is it level is it come back off and it was it come back come back off to what and then we'll get answer that and then we'll get to the trust bit which I'm busting to ask you about okay um yeah I think we've been through a genuinely once in a lifetime kind of cycle, not just the pandemic, but also the US political story under Trump was something that was uh, uh, provided endless fascination to our readers. And so, yes, you're right, audience was was uh, inflated. Um, it's pretty rare in the case of the pandemic to have a story that's incredibly gripping, but also um, uh, has a direct relevance on an almost hourly basis on how to lead your life. So, you know, we saw a huge amount of engagement with our data on on the COVID and um and you know the, the coverage of the press conferences and the rule changes and mm. all that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a big yarn in and of itself, but it has a direct relevance where even the Trump election, you know, the the, the connection to you is is not as obvious. Audiences, you know, it certainly hasn't hasn't dropped dramatically, but you know, the the risk for us is there's a flattening out. Um over the coming months, I think people are, except for the, you know, taking into account the Sydney weather, but you yes. know, they're they're wandering, you know, wandering outside a bit into the into the sunshine, blinking, and and probably you know not wanting to read deadly serious news all the time mm. because they're not stuck at home. So I think it's in it's really critical um, for us and no doubt other publishers to provide a broad range of um, of. Uh, experiences and um and content that 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 is going to keep engaging people and keep convincing them that there's value to to a subscription um you know you've seen uh there are overseas examples the new york times for examples had had a lot of success with you know branching into um into cooking as they call it into puzzles uh they bought the athletic which is a you know yeah. a, a nerdy sports publication um this is a, another terrible word, but they're expanding the ecosystem, right? Mm. Um, to give the subscribers, you know, a range of a range of experiences, and a lot of them aren't in that sort of core, you know, politics, business, um, daily news kind of area. So, I think we need to we need to be very cognizant of of the sort of the broader macro trends here, and make sure that we continue to to engage engage the readers. But look, I mean, I think there's still 
went through an election. There was a lot of interest in in that. Um, it, it, it seems to be a lot of interest when the Queen passed yeah. away. Yep. Obviously, there's there's no shortage of news. Big events. They're the big tent pole, if they like to call it in TV. Yeah, exactly. And the, and and that core, you know, for us, you know, politics, state state news for the Herald and the Age, business news for the the AFR, you know, sport. Lifestyle increasingly so they they're still at the heart of what we do. Mood shift though, you're right. I mean, so the tone and and where you go with your editorial um, beyond COVID. So are you are you suggesting that um, there'll be a, a broader and lighter mix? There'll be a bit more joy in your content or entertainment. So, so where, where, what can we expect the next couple of years, James, or twelve months at least? Um, I mean, we've always done. Entertainment yeah. and culture. I think we talk about food in New York Times. Yeah, we yeah. got good food, right? So it's like it's it's a given. Yeah, I mean, but I think you'll see us. And it was at the upfronts. We're gonna we're gonna be investing in in good food. Um, and uh, we think that's a really. I mean, we don't think we know it's an incredibly powerful brand. Um, I think it's been held back a little bit by some of the 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 product uh, that legacy product stuff that it, that it has to deal with. So, you know, there's a real opportunity, there's a real opportunity there. Um, and, you know, I think there are also, there are also areas we can look at that, are where we're perhaps, you know, we're not as strong as we could be, you know, Southeast Queensland's are one of the fastest growing well, parts yeah. in Australia. Brisbane Times, um, you're, you're really, you're, you're t- I mean, News Corp owns that, Owns Queensland, right? So there's a, there's another a bit, sort of a bit of an assault from nine on this in the, on that on that region. Yeah, I think you'll see us you'll see us do some interesting things in in Brisbane, where where and you know you've seen sort of interesting political results at the federal election. Mm. I'm not, you know, it, it's a one it's a one newspaper town. I'm sure I'm, you know, I think the Courier Mail does a does it a reasonable job, but you know you. There's always opportunities there. Um, You're going to produce a print product? Uh, that would be unlikely, right? I think the Brisbane Times has done a has done a really really good job um, over a long period of time. It's it's more than ten years old now, believe mm. it or not. Mm. Um, uh, but it's it's you know it, it's probably difficult for that masthead to take on its rivals, you know, with its current with its current resourcing and you know being so tied to the to the Herald and Age. So there's, there, I think there's things we can do there. Let's get to Media Trust because we, we're going to run out of time. Let, let me set it up. Edelman um, earlier in the year came out and they did that you know annual trust survey across all sectors and categories. Media in the Edelman um, um, uh, Trust Index uh, is now the only uh, industry that sits below 50% in claimed trust from 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 the people, from from the punters, right? So that's, that's the Edelman one, the University of Canberra. 22, uh, 2022 digital news report says at 41% trust news. Uh, and, and, and I'm just interested in that because we we're talking earlier, the conundrum here is that there was a flight to quality and trust through COVID. People came to the mastheads, the news mastheads to get, you know, verified and trustworthy sources. But at the same time, people are saying that they don't trust media or they trust media less than a lot of other institutions. And, and, and I, I, what's going on there, James? Do you have a view and do you buy what the public is saying versus what they are doing? It's a really interesting contradiction, I think, at the heart of this this conversation. Because, as you said in a previous uh, long winded question, um, <laughs> here we go. There, there are there are you know we we had a big spike in well not spike it was over a prolonged period a big mm. increase in audience over COVID where literally people were coming to the mastheads for news about how to lead their lives like you could not have a, had a more important time to be reading 
reading a news uh, a newspaper or a website or a, or a mobile site or an app um, than during lockdowns and and a mm. pandemic and we had more and more people not just reading but also subscribing um and you know I, I think other media outlets have have reported similar similar experiences so um you know I think I do scratch my head about the results a little bit I know the Edelman uh, methodology was pretty comprehensively picked apart by um uh, Tony Boyd, the Chanticleer columnist, the other day, um, yes, he, in the Financial Review, yeah. yeah, in the Financial Review, and he's a he's a pretty serious guy, and the and the the people he quotes in that um, are pretty serious people. So I don't put much stock in that. I think the uh, the the University of Canberra ones are a more interesting report, and I'm not naive. I think people are are, are sort of more conscious of um, uh, of sort of. Uh, more media literate, maybe I could put it that way these days. They're, they're interested in the ownership of media um, mm. and and uh, I think in a world where there's a bit more polarisation, they're always looking for um, signs of ideology or, or bias. We, we, we try and stay strictly to the centre and we sometimes get frustrated when, when you get feedback about oh, this was this was too left wing or this was too right wing. Um, you know, we, we often say, well, it, 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 it's just what happened. Mm. Um, and you, you know, we, you don't need to like it, you know? So I think, I think people are more, more kind of aware of those kind of issues. And then you, you, you layer on that, the sort of the, the fake news conversation and the role of social media, which I think has, um, been pretty corrosive. There is, you know, no doubt some skepticism out there. So I don't, I don't dismiss it at all. But I think in our experiences, we've had pretty strong subscriber growth. We've had pretty strong audience growth. And I think if you, if you aim high and you go with, you go with quality and you're honest about your mistakes, I think that's really, really critical as well. You, you can have trust. I think, I think just as a final point, Paul, it's been a very long answer, but you don't I think talk the, about my questions being long when you answer like that. Crikey. Fair enough. But the, the problem is when you say the media, it is, as you know, yeah. better than most, it's a very, there's a many different voices and many different practitioners and many, many different, um, outlets that go away, go about their business in many different ways. And I think some are more trustworthy than others. Any report by its very nature has to generalise, and I think, I think some of the higher quality mastheads are probably are probably caught up in that. There's a lot of you know, just as an aside, and it's probably more a comment, but I would you can comment on the comment, James. Is um, we talk about trust, and at the same time, so trust is really important to brand and to 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 a standing in society. However, you look at Volkswagen and what it did with its emissions, um, you know, um, misleading emissions um, numbers. And it went global. It was roared at, but Volkswagen is doing fine. Thank you very much. Can we have this, the knee jerk with, you know, what's going to happen with Optus at the moment, with the data leak and, and you know, what's going on with Essendon in, 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 um, in Melbourne. There's all sorts of really interesting things that there's a knee jerk, oh my God, and the people are reacting, but then it returns to a baseline that's not quite as hectic as what it looks like in the, in the early phases. It doesn't matter whether people trust media or not, they're going to stick with you. Would you say that I'm bollocks on that or is it, is it reasonable? I mean, I, I, I accept what you're saying about those other organisations there. I think people have a pretty, uh, particularly if they're paying for a, 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 a product um, and they're, they're long-term readers, I think they've got a, an emotional 
connection to the to the uh, to the to the masthead. I think they buy into that masthead's purpose, and I think trust is part of it. So I don't think people would pay for our journalism. Um, if there wasn't an element of You didn't fall for my entrapment, James. Well done. No. Good, good, call, yeah. good call. It was clearly not good enough. I tried. <laughs> hey, um, we're, a couple more questions and we, we'll wrap it up. Subscriptions, where are you at with numbers? Still headroom for growth there. Do you see, see, see upside? Yeah, I'd refer to the the answer I gave about about audiences. Yes, there's definitely room for up, up upside. We have some pretty ambitious growth targets, but um, I think if we just purely stick to our knitting, we'll make that will make that process more difficult. We need to we need to expand and we need to look into new areas. Diversification. Every media is trying to get away from you know diluting their reliance on the ad market. Um, what does that look like for you? Is this new things, new revenue streams that you're considering? I would refer to my previous answer by saying that if you know, for example, you were able to expand your food uh, and cooking offering, um, mm. you know, I think there are applications there on whether it's a new app, whether it's a premium tier, you know, things like that, um, to your to your existing subscription model. IFR's growing quickly in events um, and lists. Um, our food events are back finally, rain rain permitting. Um, mm. So we are looking we are looking at that. But it has to sort of fit around the core subscription business. It can't just be doing stuff for, you know, for the sake of it. Finally, James, the talent challenge. Everyone's got it. Um What's happening in journalists different today than what what you were? I mean, basically, uh, are they are they kind of starting out? Are they smarter and more humble than you when you started out, or is it what's the, what's the mindset there? Is it different? Oh, I hope I hope they are. Um, they're definitely <laughs> smarter. Um, it's 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 interesting. I think it's quite tough for younger journo's. I'll, I'll do the positive bit first. Sure. I think it's quite tough for younger journo's. I know when I started, you you got a lot more kind of. It was, the newsrooms operated at a slower pace. There was more time to go over copy and point out better ways of writing, whereas now to a certain extent, journos uh, are sort of thrown into the deep end um, and doing quite complicated and difficult jobs pretty early on. Um, and I think, you know, a part of that is you, you're probably getting higher quality people, to be perfectly honest, but I do, I do get... I do get a bit worried and frustrated sometimes when you get people like I, I think there is there is a benefit to doing some very straightforward stuff in your in your early years. Mm. Journalism is meant to be a, a trade, not a um, uh, and and so there's the repetition with all that. I think is is really valuable, and I think you know, and I'm not I'm not I'm not sort of going to be one of those people that sort of gets cross about millennials and all that kind of stuff. But you do see, oh, I do, you do see a bit of impatience sometimes, mm. which I don't think is I think can be self self defeating. I think people uh, the younger journalists should should accept they're not going to be the Chanticleer columnist in their first five years, yes, and right. the, and they could probably benefit from. And then that doesn't describe all of them, by the way, but you do get the occasional character and, and, you know, doing some of the hard yards, you know, if you're in a business publication, maybe doing a few corporate rounds might make you a better Chanticleer columnist when you eventually get there. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. And James, you have, uh, we were out of studio time. We're going to get kicked out. And otherwise you've also then meant that you don't get the hard questions that I had planned for you. So well done. That's a good long, um, conversation. Yes, I'm I'm pleased with uh, the way I, I pulled that off. <laughs> yes, well done. Great. Th- thanks for joining James and, and look forward to another one, another follow-up. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.